past week, Toronto FC looked a lot more like the team we expected them to be this season. Right in time, Mike. <laughs> a pair of uh, solid results. First, the defending champions, I think I can still call them the Columbus Crew, not sure, uh, before a 1-1 draw at Yankee Stadium with NYCFC. Things are generally looking up for the Reds as we go into this week. My name's Mitchell Tierney. This is Waking the Red Weekly, presented by Footy Talks. And this week on the show, one of our favorite guests is back, James Gross of torontofc.ca. will give us all his thoughts on the first part of the season for the Reds. We also have Jeffrey Pinesker and right in time, Michael Singh. How you doing, Mike? Hey, you know, always always trying to cut it close, but I was just hopping on with the guys at MLS Soccer with uh, some of their Twitter spaces. So I think that means we're growing, gentlemen. I think they, they've seen <laughs> our work here at Wake the Red Weekly. I think they like it, man. Well, maybe yeah, they haven't yeah. seen your work. They like they like what you're doing. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> my invite must have got lost in my email. Well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> But yeah, let's get to let's get to our guest right here, uh, James Grossi. How you doing, man? Always uh, great to have you on. I'm doing all right, man. We're surviving lockdown number three that doesn't seem to end. But I mean, you know, we got some soccer to watch. We got some soccer to talk about. So it's uh, it's nice to see all you guys, and I'm looking forward to a good conversation today. Always love it when Grossi joins <laughs> the show, man. Always such a treat for TFC fans. Hmm. Absolutely. Well, let's let's start with a bit of a more general question, I guess. We're talking about the past week, TFC picked up their first win of the season. Uh, they got a solid away draw as well. What, what were your thoughts on kind of what what turned things around? Because you know uh, things didn't look great through the first couple of games of the season. They had some struggles, and then this past week, it just looked uh, it looked a lot better in, in general. Yeah, I think the thing that really stood out to me, and like it's always a, a mix of factors that, that come together to see a team sort of find a little bit of form after a rough start. But the thing that really stood out to me against Columbus in the midweek game was the way that they they struck the right balance between being that hyperactive pressing side that, that we've heard so much from uh, from Chris Armis about and finding little moments to, to control the game in possession and to get their rest on the ball and to just... You know, sometimes uh, the way I guess I would phrase it, phrase it was they were stifling with their possession. You know, Columbus is a good team. You know, they're defending champs, whether we call them the crew or not. You know, they're, they're expected to do big things this year. And uh, they Toronto managed to, to, to have such control of that game that we barely saw what Columbus was capable of. You know, they were missing a couple of guys. They, they were a little bit short on the bench. Uh but that was a dominant performance, the kind of performance we haven't seen from Toronto since late last year when they did it to the crew again at the end of last season. So I, I look at I look at how they're how they're navigating that sort of the desire that they have to be that pressing team and what that means we're we're not entirely clear on. But also using their skill set of being this is a team that's really good with the ball, a team that, that can play around people and a team that is smart enough to know when to pick their moments. And I think if you look at that Red Bull game, which I think was the, the real game that sort of got the alarms blurring for everybody, mm-hmm. they were they were so disjointed and so unconnected, and that's always the risk when you go in with, with this is the wrong term, but I, I think it illustrates it properly with mindless pressing where you get disconnected from your teammates and, and the pitch ends up being 70, 70 yards long and, and Red Bull are just cutting through you like nothing. So... How they how they strike that balance, you know. Armas has said that that he wanted them to rest in possession, and you know how much of it is foot on the gas, and how much of it is uh, 
is is controlling the game and choking the life out of the opponent. We're we're gonna have to monitor that. You know, we didn't see quite as much of a dominant uh, level of control against NYCFC on the weekend, and you know, part of that NYC NYC is in form. You're playing on a little postage stamp. It's pretty hard to control anything, and everything's going a million miles an hour. And you turn, and all of a sudden, you're standing inside your own six yard box. Um, <laughs> So, so seeing how that sort of comes about, how that evolves, is something that that I'm gonna, I'm gonna be keeping my eye on. And and you know, in addition to to finding that balance, I think just getting guys back, you know, getting getting Josie back in the fold. And as much as as much as he hasn't maybe contributed on the pitch as much as we'd like to see him, he's a, he's a really important guy to have around that team in terms of the leadership and the attitude and the vibes that that he gives that group, especially when they're facing the situation they are where they're so far away from home and, and never know what stadium they're going to be playing in. Yeah, well said there, James. And One of the, the questions that has come up, and you mentioned there Yankee Stadium, how wild things can happen. We saw a pretty wild moment there with Alex Bono, actually probably a pretty wild couple of moments there with Alex Bono in net. I want to get your take on the goalkeeping situation early on, because obviously, what, eight, nine games into the season, Toronto FC head coach Chris Armas has yet to give Quinton Westberg a look in net, and he's obviously been the team starter the past two seasons. What's your take on the goalkeeping situation there? I I understand why it's such a big sort of uh, source of maybe controversy is not the right way to put it, but but something that everyone's asking questions about is is exactly what's going on. You know, Q Q came into this team, and for the last eighteen months, twenty months, whatever it's been, he's been he's been the pretty clear number one. And I think, I think the thing that that sort of puts me off about reading too much into this is that we don't know an awful lot about what's going on behind the scenes. You know, we got word that Q was late reporting for camp, and that's sort of a no-no when it comes to to your team and, and to what that means and what the internal dressing room rules are in terms of of you know how you make amends for that. Um, and then what I would say is is the games have come pretty thick and fast for TFC. There hasn't been a lot of time to, to adjust, to, to make the changes that maybe, maybe you will make. And, you know, for Chris Armas to say, this is a team that I thought is playing relatively well with Alex in the back. Um, do we want to make that change right now, just for the sake of making that change? You know, Alex is, is, I think the the game on the weekend was pretty pretty instrumental for for what we can expect from Alex. You know, he's going to make the occasional error. Every player does. You know, some some especially when you're a goalkeeper, your mistakes are pretty magnified. And and that one where the free kick gets away from him, and it's, it's a pretty wickedly hit free kick. But you want to do better. Uh, the turf in Yankee Stadium, who knows what it's like. Uh, but again, <laughs> you want to do better. And, and he rightly held his hand up afterwards. Then about two minutes later, he in the next NYCFC free kick, he, he makes a pretty stunning double save that, that prevents the game from going to nothing and very much helps TFC win what would turn out to be a point on the day. And so, you know, I, I'm i with everybody else that I, I don't, don't think we have the full story in terms of what exactly is going on. And, and the one other thing that I would throw out there, and this is, this is just pure speculation, is that, you know, Westberg is 35. He's 35, he's 36. Goalkeepers can play much longer than your average outfield player, but but Alex is 25. He's in he's entering the prime of his goalkeeping career. He's probably a couple of years away from his prime, and he's a player that yeah. whether it's yeah whether it is whether it is um, 
sell-on value or whether it is a guy who can be a starter for you for the next decade, there is value in getting Alex these reps right now. And so, you know, the other, the other factor that, that you sort of have to consider is, is Q was very much brought in as that possession goalkeeper, a guy who was going to use his feet. And that was, that was one of the elements that, that Greg Vanny liked about him so much was he was that 11th player on the field. And if that skill set isn't as important when you're not trying to retain possession, then, then maybe you go for a bigger keeper. It hasn't exactly worked out on set pieces for TFC this year. But <laughs> it's something that, uh, that the coaching staff might be thinking. But I, I think like, like everything, it's a confluence of factors and a whole bunch of things. And, and yeah, it's going to be interesting to see sort of where this goes. Uh, you know, we're getting first part of the season is always really choppy. It's always hard to, to get guys minutes when you want to. Um, and now we're entering a weirder spell where we have an international break and a, and a gold cup coming up. So this is just going to be as disrupted. So stay tuned, I guess is all. I <laughs> so Alex is entering his prime. Does that mean Q's entering his Buffon years? Because I don't know. I think I, I think I might enjoy that. Um, yeah. Just to follow up before I ask you my question, there, there's been a dialogue on the WTR boards that um, Chris is going to start Bones just because he doesn't want the confidence hit uh, for that gaff. Do you think there's logic in that? So it's not even about you know who deserves a start. It's about not resting Bones and affecting his confidence towards the rest of the season. I, you know, I... That's always a, a factor that you'd probably have to consider. But I think Alex, you know, Alex isn't a young keeper anymore. You know, he'll have experienced the highs and lows that, that this game sort of gives you. He's he's in his, what, fifth or sixth season with TFC. So he's a, mm -hmm. he's a professional now. He understands that, you know, if his coach and his goalkeeping coach come up to him and tell him that, look, you're off this week. We need to get this other guy a rep. He understands that. He's been on the other side of that deal, you know. Okay. Um but at the same time, yeah, yeah, he's been on it a fair bit where he was the yeah. guy in the cup match or, or he was the guy that was that was coming in for the midweek game. The thing that I would say is that it's a little bit more awkward when it's when you're no longer in that busy spell anymore. And all of a sudden, you know, TFC, they come out of this four games in 11. Nope. We lost very James. curious. Yeah, we lost yeah. James. Well, what he, <laughs> I think what he was going to say, and I'm sure he'll let him continue, was that mm -hmm, mm -hmm. TFC – like perhaps it would have been easier for TFC to make that that Quinton Westberg start in that rotation when there oh, was yeah. a cluster of games, right? As opposed to now, there's a week off. It's going to kind of reset there. Um, we'll bring James back on and we'll let him finish his thought. But yeah, I believe that's kind of what he was saying. He's connecting his stuff. Uh, uh, okay, no worries. Um, what I mean, do you guys just take on the the goalkeeping situation? No, I wanted to talk about how much I love the turbo pitch at at, uh, at Yankee Stadium. Oh yeah, but, uh, <laughs> it's <an> absolutely favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I, I I absolutely adore it. But anyway, um, what I think of the keeping situation, I agree with you. Uh, I think fixture congestion was the time, and now we're past that. And uh, oh, James getting ready. Uh, now we're past that, and uh, it's going to be more awkward now when it didn't have to be. So, yeah. I think uh, I think picked you yeah. up right in stride, uh, James. You were saying like there's four games in eleven days that TFC played before, and now there's going to be kind of a week off in the goalkeeping situation. Yeah, it's a little bit easier to make that change when you can when you can tell the guy that it's purely just because he's he's been on four flights in the last week, and, and you want to give the other guy. It's a, it's a little bit more awkward now, especially after the air on the weekend. But but I think. 
know, these guys are all adults. They're all professionals. If that's what Chris wants to do, they'll have that conversation. And I don't think Alex will, will think twice about it. You know? Nailed it. Cool. Uh, I had cool. to predict what you were going to say next. Absolutely <laughs> nailed it, James. Let's go. Um, all right. So, uh, yeah, so who is, who's most impressed you this far in early days? And conversely, who do you think's been the biggest disappointment? I'll start out with the with the guys who impressed me, and it's a couple of okay. young guys, and I, I think they're young guys, and and I'm picking two because that's what I always do when somebody asks me a simple question like this, mm-hmm. um, and they've 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 impressed me for different reasons. The first one is Schaffelberg, right? And Jacob's a guy that when he burst onto the scene at first, we were all marveled by his, his speed and his ability to use the wide spaces and his ability to get in behind and, and all those sort of dynamic elements to his game. Uh-oh. Don't, put, don't let me do this again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think, James, your, your Wi-Fi is going sort of to... Go ahead. No, no, he's back. He's back. It's just... No, nope. back. Oh. Yeah. 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 Or yes. no. Yeah. The one, just start. Just start one talking. Sort of knock you could have. <laughs> the one sort of knock you could have on his game was that there was there wasn't as much of that finishing element. There wasn't as much of that end product as you would have liked. He was a guy that would get behind his defender, and not always be able to create create the the final action that you wanted from him. And we saw Greg Vanny sort of sideline him a little bit last season where, where he was very much, you know, I think he went a couple of months without, without getting an appearance. And he was very much tasked with, with working on not just being a guy that turns the corner around the outside and having that option to go inside and finding, finding ways to, to make himself dangerous in that final action. And, you know, I think this year between, between scoring his first goal on the weekend and some of the crosses that we've seen him be able to create, uh, I've really been impressed with the way that he's taken that next step and taking his time away from the pitch to, to make himself a more dangerous candidate to be a, be an impact sub or, or even a guy that, that can do some stuff for you right from the start of the match. And the other guy, for, for almost the opposite reason, is Ralph Prizo. Yes, sir. From the second that we saw him make his debut at the end of last year, we were all amazed at how composed he was on the pitch and, and how he did not put a foot wrong as a teenager making his first steps in the professional game. And when, when a young player does that, you always wonder, can they maintain that consistency over the span of time? And here we are a couple months later, another half dozen matches under his belt, and, and I can think of one or two poor balls that he might have played in that whole time. Mm-hmm. And every single time he does, he finds himself in the right position and reads the problem and reacts and, and makes amends for that mistake. So those two guys, young players that, that have continued to impress me, uh, although for, for very different reasons. One for one for growing and the other one for just keeping on, man. That's, that's really interesting that you bring up Ralph Parisa there because when I spoke to Ralph at the beginning of the season, I mean, he was kind of surprised to honestly get the run of play that he did last season. And he told me his goals for this year was to go out and become a starter for Toronto FC. What are we, a month into the season? A month into the season, I think he's already there at that point where he is, at least if he's not a starter, he's one of the first people off the bench for Chris Armas. And I think that's, that's taken a lot of people by surprise. And one of the things that's really stood out to me about his game is how sturdy he is beside Michael Bradley. Not really as, you know, obviously his composure on the ball stands out, but also as a ball winner. 
as someone who can kind of clean up behind Michael Bradley. You think of Michael Bradley being the guy who kind of goes into tackles. For me, what's really impressed me is despite his size, Ralph Priest is showing he's capable of doing that. So if he can do that consistently, which he has done, I think, you know, the sky's the limit for that kid. And, and Michael, Michael is the kind of guy that he, he doesn't give you his trust easily. You know, you have to earn it. And so mm-hmm. for, a, for a young player to come in and to have earned that trust so quickly speaks a lot about uh, what he's accomplished in his, in his short professional career. Yeah, speaks volumes for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, oh, get to it. I want to hear the bad. I want to hear the bad guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, rather than single out an individual, I, I was just going to go to set piece defending. I do have a couple of names. <laughs> I, I hate I that player. That. What number does he wear? 90 <laughs> something. Uh, we wasted so much TAM on him. My goodness. Uh, yeah, uh, no, I agree with you. Set, set piece defending it's sort of the bread and butter of, of your game and uh granted it's a new team they're sort of figuring things out you know chris Mavinga wasn't there for large stretches of it but if you're giving away set piece goals every game every other game you're putting yourself in a hole right off the start and so so uh, you know cleaning that up cleaning that up is definitely one if you want some specific ones i i look at josie and and i still see so much potential in, in what he can be on this pitch and you know, we see we see flashes of it. That that shot that he put off the the bar. Right oh now. my god! <laughs> the way that the way that he's you know he has this reputation for being a, a big physical guy, but he is such a silky footballer when he's feeling mm-hmm. it. And the thing that frustrates me about Josie is he's such a rhythm player. And I think the same goes for Io too, where they're players that that really thrive on getting their reps in and they need their minutes and they need to be in the hunt. And that's when they're sharp into focus. Mm. And neither one of them has, has been ready to go right from the start here, which is, you know, when you have champions league, when you have matches, having, having one or both of those guys firing on all form could have made all the difference. And we could be talking about TFC in a, in a champions league semifinal come August. So that's been a little bit disappointment. You know, I, I still want to see a bit more from Omar Gonzalez in terms of, of organizing around him. It just it goes to the set piece thing, but it also mm-hmm. goes to the value of Drew Moore on that back line a couple of years. Oh yeah. Ago, was that he just he organized everything about it. He orchestrated how that team was going to shape up. And I haven't quite seen that same that same um structural confidence in that marshalling yeah yeah it's a leadership thing it's a leadership thing i actually think that once you've worn a a a kit with with suede tassels repeatedly many times (laughs) nothing bothers you anymore and you're and you're completely (laughs) unselfconscious on the field so you are impervious to (laughs) all criticism it's like whatever (laughs) i have you worn silk tassels or suede tassels on your kit no so yeah exactly Um, the the smile in that picture too the sort of (laughs) I know this is terrible, but I'm loving it. <laughs> I want one so badly. I mean, yeah. but that's that's besides the point. Uh, uh, yeah, Mitch, I think uh, I think you're up there. Yeah, well, you sort of answered my last question, so I want to ask a little bit about the the first impressions we got of Jefferson Sotel though this week. I mean, um, obviously limited time, and I don't think you can fully judge him without what we assume will be his running mate, which is Alejandro Pozuelo. But what are your thoughts on what he might be able to bring to Toronto FC? It's it's funny. Like the first thing that you always worry about when you're bringing in a bit of flash from South America is: is he going to be the kind of guy that can play with his teammates, or is he going to try and do everything himself? And my thoughts on Soteldo after seeing him in you know three appearances is: I wish he tried to do a little bit more by himself. <laughs> <laughs> 
he there was there was one play in particular against NYCFC where where you know he was in he was in down there. Yeah, and he laid it off for Bradley of all people. He yeah, cuts yeah, onto yeah. his right foot and yeah. holds it to Michael Bradley. I think, yeah, buddy, I just want to see you bury that. I don't even care if you. Mm-hmm. I just want to see. I want to get a feel for how dangerous you can be when you're in those positions, and so. I, I think part of that is just, you know, he's in a new place, he's learning a new language, he's ingratiating himself and integrating himself with, with his teammates. And so you don't want to be too much of a ball hog, but mm-hmm. but I'd like to see I'd like to see him do that a little bit more. And to be to be fair to him, like his cameo against was it Red Bull that he came on for that first? Yeah, that, that yeah let's forget like, about that. Yeah. He was triple manned every time he got near the ball. It was it was it was uh I'm I'm Desperate to see what he will look like when this. Nope. Desperate to see what he'll look like when this team. It's Madlibs. It's Madlibs. Every Let's everybody go. gets everybody gets a guess. I'm desperate to see what this team looks like when I've had pizza for lunch. That's my <laughs> guess. I think I'm wrong. Mitch, you get you get one. I mean, I, I would assume it's Alejandro Pozuelo back. Um, well, at least that's what I'm most interested to see what this team. All right, like all right. You want to make it interesting because I think I think I win, but we'll we'll find out. We'll all right. Well, you got to say your thing. You can't just win without. Saying. I said I'm desperate to see what this oh, team pizza. looks like after I've had pizza for lunch. Oh, and I'm I'm, right, I'm willing right. to die I on that hill. Totally think Jeff nailed that. Totally think. <laughs> all right. What were you going to say, James? We have a bet going. Was it? Was I'm it desperate, desperate to see what this team looks like after I've had pizza for lunch? Yeah. Oh, oh, wow. That's crazy <laughs> for sure. That's... <laughs> uh, no, that is definitely not what I was going to say. Oh <laughs> damn. I'm desperate to see what he looks like when this team is actually firing on on all cylinders, and when when we have Pozuelo in the middle of the pitch, and you have, you know, Josie out there, or Io out there, or or whatever it is that, you know, I have no idea what this team's going to actually look like when it comes to what their starting eleven will be when everyone's available. But but to see him really, really pushing the game forward, I think it's going to fit really nicely with what Armas is trying to do in terms of making this a much more aggressive side when it comes to to looking for goals. Yeah, and James, I think I can't. Oh, sorry. Go I was ahead. gonna say I think teams now are sort of game planning around the fact that Soteldo is, you know, on this team. We've seen double teams thrown at him when he first came Triples. on against the Red Bulls. Triple teams thrown at him, so he he opens up spaces for other people. So when you have someone like a Soteldo or a Josie that's going, I mean, if 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 Soteldo or sorry Pozuelo, if, if Pozuelo's on the pitch with Josie and then Soteldo's still going. I think it's going to open up a lot more space on the field, and I don't think scoring is going to be an issue for this club. Jeff, I'll throw it back to you there for you. I question. think Luke, Luke's going to have Luke, and especially Caldwell are going to have a really difficult time with passing plays between Soteldo and Pozuelo. Now that I think about it, there's a lot of there's a lot of vowels in there. Um, uh, oh, he's gone again. Uh, 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 what was your question going to be? Good too. Well, uh, first I was going to jump on him for for talking about uh, wanting to see the team when they're at full strength, and I was going to nail him and say, "Is that ever going to happen? Do you think in our lifetimes?" But the second, Play the, hits, the, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> the second question was, uh, uh, and this is a good one. Uh, if it's too early to give Armas any grade, why is MLS HQ proclaiming Greg Vanny the second coming of the Messiah? <laughs> and also, can we trade for Victor Vasquez immediately? That was my question. Uh, did, okay. you, did you get that, James? Or well, yeah, I'll throw it yeah, again. I, I said, if it, if it's too early to give Armas any grade, why is MLS HQ building statues in bronze of Greg Vanny outside of uh, of of uh, their offices in New York? 
Do you want me to talk about why it's too early to grade Armus or, or why Van is well, You can talk about whatever you want, buddy. That's the, that's the benefit of a good question. It just allows you to, yeah. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll start with the Vanny thing, I guess, because that's, that's a little more simple. And then I'll tell you why I'm not, I'm not sort of, you know, worried too much about what's going on in Toronto recently. And sorry, by the way, about losing connection. Dude, it is fine. We're good. just happy to speak to you, like, honestly. <laughs> James, we had Dero on here. You uh, definitely can't get worse than that, okay? You're good. Yeah. Uh-oh. I think he's actually bad. <laughs> Maybe I just can't make him laugh too hard. Well, if he laughs too hard, his connection just goes out. <laughs> no more cracking right. jokes. No more cracking jokes. I think he needs to reconnect. But it's a it's a good screen cap. It's like an it's action. a great screen yeah. cap. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like what are you gonna what are you gonna say? I need to know. Um, yep, oh, there we go. What, he's going vertical nice. now. Yeah, he's going. Wow, this <laughs> is fantastic. How many phones going, we'll does James Grossi? <laughs> <laughs> I brought up my old Nokia. This is this is great. Um, oh man. So let's. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Jeff. Well, we we got a question well, from Will here. Okay, okay yeah. go ahead. Go oh, perfect, perfect. Let's bring Will on. Uh, how how dangerous do TFC set pieces look now with Sotel? That's such now? a good shout. That mm -hmm. is such a good shout because we were talking on the show a bit earlier about how Michael Bradley was the one taking free kicks for this team. We're like, yeah, that's not ideal. And then you see Jefferson Sotel, though, first, pe first time he gets a chance, he whips in the most gorgeous ball. I'm like, whoa, this can still happen in MLS. <laughs> MLS players can still kind of play balls like this. This is possible. Yeah. And he reinstilled kind of hope there in Toronto FC set pieces, at least from an offensive standpoint. And I want to see him line one up from about 20 yards out. And I want to mm. see what that looks like now. But uh, let's, let's throw it back to He's back. To he's yeah. he's going to talk about LA Galaxy. Let's go. Oh, just to hit on that, I, like yeah. between the set pieces and Sotelo's ability to pick a ball to the back post, been fantastic. There were a couple in that last play. I'm not sure if I'm broadcasting now. No, you're good. No, you are. You're absolutely. I'm just wondering how this, what this has to I'm do good? with Greg okay, Graham okay. and LA Galaxy. Yeah, yeah. So, so the way that I read the sort of Vanny Love thing is MLS is a league where oftentimes the recognition for good work done sort of comes a couple of years too late. You know, it, it takes a little bit of time for, for a coach. You know, how many times have we seen a coach get coach of the year the year or two after the season that he really, really did the work? But he didn't win the trophy, or or he didn't get the headlines, and so so he didn't get the recognition that he should have gotten at that. I time. love this answer, man. This answer is fantastic. <laughs> so I think there's an element of that, you know. You know, Vanny's Vanny's really, really the real ground moving stuff that he did with TFC was 2016 and 2017. You know? mm -hmm. And you don't you don't sort of. At the end of the regular season in 2017, you don't necessarily. I forget which year he won Coach of the Year, so I'm not sure if I'm from 2017. I believe. 2017 or was it 20? Well, it certainly wasn't 2018. So. It definitely wasn't 2018, James. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think 2016 was the year where he really got the team turned around, and they got the fruits of that labor in 2017, and you end up winning the sure. Coach of the Year award that year. So I think that's that's sort of what I'm saying. Uh, mm -hmm. It's a job where it, it doesn't really the work that you do doesn't really map onto a calendar neatly in terms of season. So I, we've seen it a couple times in MLS where where a coach gets the recognition well after, and then that recognition sticks with you for a little while. And and I think when it comes to the Galaxy, you know, the last couple of years have been pretty dark for one of the super clubs. Mm -hmm. 
here in MLS and, and Chicharito was uh, was perhaps one of the biggest recent imports to come in, especially after the success that Carlos Vela had and, and the importance of the, the Mexican market to, to MLS. Mm-hmm. And so for Vanny to come into that club and, and a couple weeks into the year already sort of have them looking like a different prospect entirely, I think both he should be applauded for that. And it's, it's, it, it, it fits with, with what, you know, back, back in the day, the New York Red Bulls, LA galaxy game was the big, the big Sunday night feature game for this league. And so having those two teams, having the galaxy in particular, be one of the teams that's in contention and something that people are talking about is, is generally important. You know, it makes a, makes the LA Derby all that much more interesting. And, and, uh, you know, Greg has done a, he's, he's done good work there. I'm, I'm not sure how sustainable it is. You know, we'll sort of have to see how the season goes on. It, it takes, it takes a good 18 months, two years before you can really turn a roster over and start having it be your team as opposed to the group of players that were on site when you got there. And so how this continues will be uh, fascinating to watch. And, you know, or you Vasquez. just bring former Barcelona man Victor Vasquez and he solves all your problems for you by <laughs> well, being the best. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yes, he's, he's amazing. He's, he he's amazing and I miss him so much. But uh, He is. Yeah. And, and what I would say is, yeah, it's a little bit sad seeing him play his trade somewhere else in the league. But, you know, I always think that, that some of the magic of any relationship is all about the time and the place. Yeah. And so he was the right piece for TFC at that time, much the way that Benoit Sheru was the right piece for that team at that time and place. And sure I have. don't know I don't know if he had come back if it would have had that same magic. And so it's it's probably better to just, you know, enjoy enjoy seeing him do his thing from afar and, and you know, watch him bring the professionalism and the attitude and the general joie de vivre that we, we appreciate from him to uh, to a new side while he's while he's still able. Victor yeah. Vasquez playing pressing football, not exactly. Uh, something <laughs> well, he won't. He wouldn't. That's the thing. It's just, he, he'd just pass dimes and be like, somebody else can run. I don't have a back anymore. But they would be beautiful, perfect passes. So, I mean, no, I can't complain. Uh, uh, Mike, you got a question to wrap yeah, it up? Yeah, well, I was going to just build off what James kind of said there. Is Javier Hernandez Chicharito leading the MLS right now in goals scored. He's leading that golden boot race. He has seven goals in five matches which, I mean, is way better than what he did last season. So the Vanny effect there might be real, but as Jane said, there's a long way to go, and let's see how this plays out. Um, circling us back to Toronto FC, one of the more unheralded players, I know you kind of touched on him earlier, but in my opinion, it, 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 he kind of gets it's unspoken. It's Chris Mavinga and what he can do at the back for Toronto FC. How much has he grown as a player since he arrived here? I think it was 2017. Yeah, you know, I don't know how much he's grown as a player in terms of I think he always had this in his wheelhouse. You know, this is a guy that was at Liverpool when he was a teenager. He came up at PSG. Um, I think what we've seen from Chris is... That was, that was too early for me. Like, we've seen a lot from Chris, you know? Yeah, yeah. That was too, that was too uh, vague. What we, Let me what we haven't seen from Chris is is the double dragon karate kicks anymore, which, uh, yeah. which is good. Yeah. yeah. Let me throw that back great. around at you guys, though. Mm-hmm. Mitch, what do you think of Chris Bavinga's game so far, and how important is he to the Toronto FC team? 
I think it's pretty clear he's vitally important to to everything they do on that back line. I mean, um, yeah, I, I, I don't think – obviously he hasn't grown as uh, in a big way as a player in terms of, as James said, he has all those abilities, but his knowledge of MLS has definitely grown and he's, his ability to work within um, whatever system you play him in has definitely grown. So I think from that perspective, especially this year, we've seen a, a lot of good stuff from him. Yeah, I'll let James finish off there, James. <laughs> we were on such a good run. I thought we had it. Uh, we're going, man. We're going. <laughs> I've been it's sitting on my think, hands yeah, because, yeah. Just when you think it's good, that's when. <laughs> uh, Chris is, I think what we've seen is a maturation process and, a, and a, a willingness and an ability to be consistent. You know, he's he's a guy that the first, the first little while, we weren't quite sure what we were going to get from him, but we saw all of those physical attributes. And now, now you sort of know that if he's out there, TFC can take a few more chances than they could they could otherwise. He's going to be alert to the danger, and he's going to he's got that blistering pace to make up the difference and, and to end plays. And you know, I, I forget who it was that that created the nickname for him, but uh, somebody was calling him the Magic Eraser. It might have been Greg Van. <laughs> <laughs> because if there is a mistake at the back, if you get caught a little bit too far upfield, if your line is a yard or two too too high. He, he will make up that distance and he will make up for that mistake. And so, you know, he's been, he's been, I think, you know, I, I sometimes feel like there are certain players that we don't do a good enough job of, of covering in terms of our ability to speak to them and, and get to know them particularly well. Chris is one of those guys who I think between his, between his sort of general quietness and his sort of, um, his, uh, his sort of reticence to, to, Oh. That's, I mean, I, I'm still trying to figure out what the word reticence means. Yeah. So reluctance. That's, that's, reluctance. That's, that's a, reluctance. There you go. Yeah, I was yeah, going to say that's a, a tough one for me to pick up on. But yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. yeah, I think I agree with James there is that, yeah, well, I think Thunder doesn't really agree with me there in the chat as he says people have been giving him the love. But I think at least on our show, like he's a little unheralded. And James, I'll Mike, let him finish. Yeah, let him finish. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's, he's definitely unheralded. Um, I think uh, there's a couple of guys that we don't do a great job of covering. You know, Chris is very soft-spoken. His, his English is good, but I don't think he uh, – you know, I'll, I'll tell you guys the story of the first time I interviewed Chris. This was back right in preseason when he joined the team. And he, you know, he'd spent time in England, so you knew that he spoke English, but he insisted on Clement Simonin being the translator for our <laughs> conversation just so he could be sure that he fully understood everything. And, you know, when you speak to somebody who's who's – whose English is is unknown, you can tell if they if they understand enough to know what your question is before they get it translated back to you. You can sort of get a hint of of how how much they're leaning on the translator as a crutch and how much they actually really need it. <laughs> so so Chris is he's one of those guys that I don't think we've done a great job of, of telling his story. Uh, but I also think part of it is he doesn't want to be in the headlines. He just wants to come in and do his job and be happy being part of a team, you know. Uh, I think Aro mm-hmm. is another one of those guys who we don't necessarily do a great job of of getting getting behind things with. And, and you know, I think Erickson Gardo has been, uh, has been riding a very unfortunate series of events since arriving to this team. Very unfortunate. Yeah, he, he just can't catch a break. And so... <laughs> You know, those are those are guys that fascinate me because you know you don't come up in this football world without without having some stories and having some tales to tell. And 
and having some uh, some insight into the way the world is, not just the way the games are. So that's sort of what I what I always kick myself to try and do more is to try and make those guys talk to me. But uh, as, as everyone here knows, it's it's hard to get people to open up to you if they don't necessarily want. To. Open with What's Drake that? lyrics, and I'm sure you'll have like a four hour conversation with Chris Mavink <laughs> to talk about Drake lyrics and and cryptic social media posts, and and then I think I think you're good to go. Yeah. <laughs> All right, James, we'll we'll let you go for for real this time. Thanks so much for for bearing through the technical difficulties, and always great to oh, chat God. with you, man. Always I great to chat it, with you, James. James. So appreciate it, and wow. uh, we'll see you next time, buddy. I'm sure he meant to say goodbye, but the internet, <laughs> the internet is a harsh mistress. Uh, uh, all right. Uh, where do you want to go next, Mitchell? Um, let, let's talk about the new guys, because we did see a, a couple for Toronto FC this week make their debut. I mean, I think Dom Dwyer actually signed in between the time uh, we recorded the last show and already made his debut. We saw Jefferson Soteldo, as we talked a little bit with James, and we saw Kamara Lawrence as well. Um, I thought the set piece thing you guys were talking about was interesting um, just to pick up on that a little bit because, you know, again, we haven't seen, it's been a couple of years now. I know Pozuelo is decent at them. There's a couple of guys who are okay at them on Tron mm-hmm. FC, but, uh, and we're never going to get back to the Javinko level, but like there was a time when teams would argue fouls, like just outside of the box as vehemently as they'd argue penalties against Tron FC. Cause they knew what was going to happen. They knew Javinko was going to step up and whack it in the top corner. So <laughs> I mean, having that having that pause back in defenders where they are a little concerned to to foul Toronto FC players around the box, just that split second, like, ooh, should I really do this? Will make all the difference. So I think that's one of the the just small ways that a guy like Jefferson Soteldo could really benefit Toronto FC. Yeah, free kicks are very important part of this game. Also, corner kicks. I think the mm-hmm. TFC score off a corner kick, I believe. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I believe they scored off a corner. Yeah, against Club. I mean, I don't know if you could really call Soteldo took the corner kick. It took like 40 bounces, and then Bradley. Yeah, yeah. So it, was a, it, it was a volleyball goal. But yeah, like yeah, a, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but routine, I think but. I think he got the first ball to Omar Gonzalez. I believe it was. So like the delivery, you could just tell the qualities there on the delivery. Just everything's more dangerous when Soteldo can get his hands on the football. And like like Mitch said, we haven't had something like that since Sebastian Javinko. He won't no expectation for him to be like Javanko. Javanko was literally the best free kick taker in all of world football. Literally, by the numbers, Javanko is the most successful free kick taker I think of all time. And there's no way that he can kind of compete with that, but a better threat than Michael Bradley is all we're asking for, guys. Just a better threat than that. It's funny how many people have said how good Josmer is at taking free kicks, and yet he's taken, what, three in his TFC career? And I think he's one for three. He, uh, Remember that one that was basically a oh, yeah. Giovinco kick that went mm-hmm. just sailed into net. Um, he scored in a gold cup we... final though, so I feel like that uh, that gives him some uh, <laughs> sort of free kick in a gold cup final. So I feel like that gives him some extra credit. True enough. True enough. Um, I think I brought this up on the post game spaces, uh, which is that somebody said, and I really wish I could remember who it was, but uh, watching Soteldo reminds him of the first couple games with Victor Vasquez, where. You know, Soteldo uh, is putting balls into space. No one's there. And he's mostly frustrated because he's not going to change his game for MLS players. Like, that's where you should be, and eventually you'll be there. What, what Would you agree with that s- sentiment? Yeah, I personally would. I think I mentioned this on the post game as well, is 
Um, MLS is growing very quickly. It's moving in a direction where the, the <coughs> quality is getting better, the level of soccer is getting better overall. And I think the reason why TFC went out and got a player like Soteldo is because they like all of those aspects about his game. Now, I, I do think there is a bit of a balancing act there where, yes, TFC players have to catch up to where Soteldo is, but also Soteldo has to also reel it back a tiny bit to adapt to the to the league and where the league's going to find the spaces in MLS. They're going to be different than naturally than, than in Brazil. So there is that balancing act there, but I don't want Soteldo to change his game. I, I don't want to see Soteldo. I want to see what Soteldo is, and I want to see TFC players adapt around him because I think the TFC players do have the quality. It'll just take time to adapt. Yeah, and I think we, we've mentioned this before. Like when he gets those kind of more like-minded technical players in the field out <laughs> with him, like Pozuelo and Osorio, I think that's going to be a massive difference. And that's when you know those three, the, the combination play of those three could be absolutely lethal. Yeah. He's salivating yeah. at that. I think TFC put out a tweet this morning, actually, like right before the show, and it's of uh, the Venezuelan flag times the Spanish flag equals soon, and it was a picture <laughs> of Pozuelo and Soteldo sitting next to each other on the bench. So, I mean, hopefully it's this weekend, but if not, then I think we're going to find out soon what that looks like. So what do you think of your best friend, Dom Dwyer, Mitch? I mean, he's he's exactly as advertised. He comes in there, he <laughs> creates chaos, and he yep. creates a goal. That's that's exactly why I wanted him for Tron FC. And it's it's interesting because I think this is something that might be, especially when you have five substitutes, this might be something that they can replicate throughout the season is kind of a swap up top, whether it's both strikers, one like one striker. I guess they almost changed the entire front line if you want to talk about them. They almost Chapel did, yeah. Or, yeah. Roteldo as well, like, you know, you, you wear down a team in a pressing system for the entire game, and then you can bring on another wave of guys who are who are going to do that again. And, you know, we've talked about Schaffelberg and, and energy. One brings. of them might kill you, yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, Dwyer is one of those perfect guys of playing the game on the edge and, like, really ticking off defenders without crossing it. He only has two red cards in his entire MLS career. So. That's impossible. That's impossible. Yeah. No, it's true. It's okay. true. I, I looked right. it up. Yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll I'll double check that That's because I, I mean I did a double take real, at his at his goals per appearances because that was a surprise, right? Like, and I've said this on on Twitter, you know, uh, people are like, "Oh, Dwyer's going to be an excellent third string striker. He's got more goals per appearances than anybody else on the team." Instantly when he walked on, and I thought I thought that was impressive. Um, but I is mean, that true? He has more goals yeah. per appearances. He's got more goals than Josmer. He's got like he's got more goals. goals yeah, yeah. But yeah, per yeah. appearances, I think Joe Josie's had a shorter know, MLS I think career. In all competitions, he's got more. Or it certainly was a number that I wasn't expecting. So, so yeah. Um, he, so Dom Dwyer definitely has more goals than Josie. He has the most goals on Toronto FC. Most MLS goals. I he was drafted in MLS, so he has been mm. an MLS lifer. So like goals per game, I'm not sure if that's still better than Josie. It could be. Very well be okay, but I Mitch might is lean towards. <laughs> I might lean towards Josie <laughs> Alcador there because yeah, Josie's yeah, yeah. only played with Toronto since what 2014, 2015. So yeah. I think he has a shorter span there. But regardless, he's a he's a goal scoring threat. Um, as as Mitch kind of mentioned, he's very powerful, and he as Chris Armas mentioned before, you know, the game he adds this bite to Toronto FC that they didn't have. 
this yes, he does. toughness, <laughs> this edge, and it's it's something that they they were looking for. They wanted to be a team that's tougher to play against, that teams don't want to play against. And Dom Dwyer is that type of player. He's he's a guy that other teams don't want to go up against. He's a guy who, you know, if he's chasing you down in the corner. You don't want to go into that corner with Dom Dwyer because you know you're going to get nudged. You know you're going to get kicked. You know you're going to get clipped. Whatever it is, he just makes it tougher to play against. And to have a weapon like that off the bench, that's a luxury so for Toronto FC. It was so oh, yeah. nonchalant. Like he just, yeah, yeah. He just yeah. like, oh, I'm just going to look over my shoulder here. I'm and I'm gunning for you. Like you were in my sights from midfield. But mm-hmm. oh man, I didn't see you there. That's so weird. Did you like, think? I you... honestly didn't even think that yeah. was. In, I think that's just I, that just showed how strong he was. I wasn't even sure if that was intentional. I know once he made contact with them, he definitely <laughs> followed through. But I wasn't sure if that was intentional from the get-go. Full arm arm extension. I mean, he's probably wearing brass knuckles too. Like, let's be honest. But like, uh, I got Thunder in here in the chat saying he's TFC's Darcy Tucker. That's a good shout. That is a very, very good shout. Just because the bugs and abs are going at it on Thursday, that's that's a great shout for that. that. Great, great, TFC's Darcy Tucker. Great shout. Um, I'm impressed. I mean, listen, uh, uh, he brought something, he brought something to those substitutions that made everything click. Uh, enough people have said that that shaffle goal doesn't happen without him eliminating one of the guys perhaps permanently, (laughs) but, but, uh, uh, you know, it's just, it's going to take some getting used to having that kind of a thug that we're cheering for. I know Mitch is already over it and he's and his shirts in the mail, but uh, you know, it's, it it is a bit of, it is a bit of, of counterintuitive to, you know, we want a family man who's all about character and then, well, let's bring in Tom Dwyer because he eats family men that are all about character for breakfast. Uh, You know, more power to him, more power to him. Love him, love him in the, in the, in the red shirt. Uh, And I thought, I thought he was he was like the matchstick and the tinder for that goal. So there you yeah. go. It took yeah. one twenty minute appearance for Dom Dwyer to change change Jeff's mind right away. Oh no, and my mind ain't changed, but but I'm but I'm quite happy that that uh, he's on our side. Him, yeah, that he's on our side now. Yeah, he's yeah. one of those players that you you'd love to have on your team but hate to play against. So yeah, he's on yeah. our team now. Let's love him, man. And I like the fact that he also. He makes TFC's bench that much better. Like, if you look at a bench, yes, you can add defensive depth, but from a manager's perspective and in terms of a game changer's perspective, it's very rarely where a defender is that substitution off the bench that changes the game. Mm-hmm. More so, more times than not, it's an offensive player. It's a guy who can make a difference up top. It's even in the midfield. So it makes that that overall bench that much stronger and more appealing to at least a fan perspective of, of guys you can bring in the game and and change the the pace of the game the way the way the way the game's going so in terms of that aspect i love the fact that we added dwyer and i love the interchangeability there's no reason to suggest that he's going to be our bwp like late vintage bwp he might get some starts and that means josie and iowa are late period uh a bwp uh, 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 equivalent or, or uh, Ishin, uh, Ilcino or whatever the case may be, because uh, he's going to start. I mean, I can't imagine he'll be happy being a, a bench player for the duration of the season. Yeah, and that's what Armas said, is that he did come over to start. He did, he is going to get starts. Uh, best Toronto FC lineup going out, though, I, I don't think that natu- that necessarily includes Dom Dwyer right now. Um, but it also 
another point to make on this is we don't know how this team's going to set up moving forward. Right now, I, I think it's pretty clear that they want to play with one striker, but Armas has talked about the fact that they might go to two strikers when Pozuelo's back and have give Pozuelo an option to either go left to, you know, an, an Iowa Canola or right to uh, Josie Altidore, right? Think about the possibility. You know, we know what Pozuelo can do when he has one striker ahead of him to play a ball through. Think about the possibility now of Pozuelo having two strikers to play in. I think that that's sort of what people are kind of are drooling over there at Toronto FC. And I, I want to see what that looks like. I want to see this team's identity moving forward because I really don't think we're there yet. Nope. <laughs> nope, we ain't. Yeah, that'll be interesting too because I wonder how that will change Bradley's role in terms of he's been kind of that more advanced midfielder behind the strikers this year. So I wonder if he goes back to his old ways or if they completely reshuffle things because they've seemed pretty set on some sort of a 4-4-2 type system so far this season. So um, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Uh, definitely interesting. Thoughts on uh, Kamar Lawrence finally. Thank I think. you. Yeah, you read yeah. my mind. Because I think this, uh, I think that he definitely deserves a shout out. I mean, I don't think he's done anything overly flashy or anything that, to the same degree of, of Dwyer and, and, you know, Soteldo, but that's not what you're fully bringing him in for. And I think he's added some calmness to, to that back line. Stability. There's yeah. A lot of stability there from, from Kamar Lawrence. He isn't necessarily, as, as Mitch said, the flashiest player. He isn't necessarily that exciting moving forward, but he is sturdy defensively. We saw a couple times he was just in the right position at the right time, picking out passes. And I feel more mm. comfortable, at least from a fan perspective, watching Toronto FC when Kamar Lawrence is in that back line especially when you're, you're defending a, at the edge of your own box because he's he's positionally sound and he's defensively sound. Um, I think he's also very strong and kind of similar to Dom Dwyer. He does bring a little bit of an element of a bite to this TFC team. Um, and I, I like I like the signing overall. I think it's something that TFC were lacking. When you look at Richie Larey and you look at Aro, they're both very, very, very good players, not taking anything away from them. But just strictly looking at the defensive side of the ball, I think Kamar Lawrence is better than both of those guys defensively. So I think that's what he sort of brings to this team is just some stability at the back. And when you have question marks there at your center back position, you need that you need that stability there in the back line wherever you can get it. So very good pickup for for Kamar Lawrence. And I want to see what he looks like moving forward too. Yeah. Yeah, we'll yeah. we'll see him in a more attacking role as well. I think is is you know, certain things are tweaked. But I like the idea of now you can have Richie push up push up on that. Uh, right side Love that. and have sort of go to a back three because you already have the attacking options on the left <laughs> side. So it brings just more balance in general and allows the team to to play a little bit safer defensively and still allow Richie to to do what he does best uh, on the flank. Yeah, I still think their best lineup at the back there includes all of Kamar Lawrence, Aro, and Richie Larea. Um, with literally Larea obviously being pushed up there into to that right winger kind of position. Um, I want to see what that looks like because, you know, we, we know what Richie can do offensively when he's kind of releases the, the leash off of Richie. So like that. So I think that's, that's what I'll say there. What did we think of, uh, of Oro Jr. as central defensive midfielder? Or sorry, wasn't he a cam? Was he a cam or a yeah, CDM? He was, he was just playing central midfielder, I guess. No, yeah. uh, no real no. role of it. That I mean, that was an interesting one. Uh, I thought he did actually a pretty good job. I actually, I know Richie, you want that attack on the flank. I still would have liked to see Richie Larea there because I think he has a little bit more in terms of um, just his ability in tight spaces than Arrow. But 
yeah, I mean, it was an it was definitely an interesting one from from Armas, and um, I liked most of what I saw. I'm going to be honest, I was very distracted during that game. No idea why. There might have been another soccer game going on at that time. Um, <laughs> we saw you tweeting, buddy. We saw yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. with that being said, yeah, from the bit I did see of him, I was pretty impressed. And you know, it's a good sign when you have guys who can play in multiple multiple positions like that. Well, Armas spoke about that post game and why he kind of decided to start Oro at central midfield. And the reason being is, A, Oro told him he has played there before. Armish joked that it was probably when he was like seven years old or something, but he is technically sound and he he is capable of, of playing that role, especially besides someone like Bradley to kind of compliment him. Uh, you know, Oro is obviously more uh, of a ball-playing player. But the main reason why he decided to do that is because he knew other players on that TFC team were going to be coming off. He knew Kamar Lawrence wouldn't go the full 90. He knew Josie Altidor wouldn't go the full 90. He knew Iowa Canola wouldn't go the full 90. There were a couple of other players in that mix. I can't think of them off the top of my head who they knew wouldn't go. Sotelo is another one. Yeah, Sotelo. Another one who there. So instead of burning a substitution and bringing Oro on later in the match, they decided to put Oro on the field right away so they didn't have to use that extra substitution and then eventually slide Oro to left back where his, obviously this, he's more comfortable there when Kamar Lawrence came off. TFC actually ended up using all five of their substitutions in addition to... It's a great keeping, fanfare, I think. So, so In that addition was to keeping play. Oro on the field. Yeah, exactly. So there was you know, a method behind that madness there that would stem beyond just Oro being a central midfielder. It was the fact that you know, Armis knew he would, he would need to get Oro in the game somehow, eventually, and why not get him in the game right away as opposed to burning a sub when your alternative might be someone who's a little bit better than Oro there at that position, but not, not incredibly, not, not much of a difference. Because you know, um, we saw Mark Delgado wasn't in that lineup. And Osorio is obviously out as well. And Ralph Preso, I think, was coming off a little bit of a knock. So, you know, it just made sense to kind of put Oro in that position. And that worked out with uh, Mullins and Schaff obviously making the difference there in the end. Uh, two substitutions. Sweet. Are we going to do the uh, the Michael Singh injury report? Yeah, uh, we can roll it. We can roll it. I don't know how uh, much there's... of an injury report I have, but let's let's. Well, do no, it. We, can, we can veto it and, and talk about salaries. We haven't talked about that. That that's an interesting topic we can get into, and then just quickly uh, for the injury report. Um, well, you can't sign- do it until I roll the title. So hold I, on. I, I roll the title. <laughs> it's the Michael Singh injury report. Totally yeah. worth it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so two things. I heard Delgado's uh, just a little bit of a knock. Um, nothing serious. So hoping he'll be back Saturday, and Osorio should be back on Saturday. Um, he was kind of coming along uh, last week, and Armas said he was he would have been available last Saturday, but they were going to take a cautious approach with Osorio. So I expect Osorio to be available Saturday, barring any other further setbacks. We know that injury is a complicated one, so you never know. Um, in terms he would have been back if it weren't for you snooping kids. But anyway, continue. <laughs> <laughs> in terms of Pozuelo, I mean, he's been training with the FC team without any pain. Sorry, not with the team. He's been training alongside, you know, the, the what do you call it, the athletic trainers and strength coaches. <laughs> he's been he's been doing all of that without any pain. He's been you without know, any sprint, pay? Sp- pain. Pain. Okay. So, good, good. Yeah, he's not hurting or anything like that. He's been 
uh, sprinting. He's been, you know, doing stuff with the ball and all of it's been a okay, but they know the injury is there. They know that the quad injury is there for Pozuelo. So it's, it's that balance of, you know, making sure that's fully healed. So nothing further happens and, you know, getting Pozuelo back. And obviously TFC before this last week, there's a lot of pressure mounting to bring Pozuelo back because TFC weren't getting results. I think they might have bought their superstar a little bit more time. Now, if I didn't see that tweet before the show, where it kind of teased that Soteldo and Pozuelo are coming back, I actually would have said that I don't think Pozuelo is going to be back this weekend. But the fact that TFC social media is sort of teasing that tweet with Soteldo and Pozuelo there, it kind of gives me some hope that we're going to see the, the two link up there up top this weekend. So keep an eye out on that. We will have an update on that closer to the and match. When it, and when it doesn't happen, make sure to at TFC social media with all your vitriol <laughs> because we, uh, we gave, we give you, no, I'm just kidding. Don't, don't, they don't need it. Uh, uh, Ivan wants to know about JMO. What's, uh, what's up with JMO? I can tell you what's up with JMO. I mean, he's at the point now in his career. I think he's picked up a couple of, couple of knocks and random knocks so i'm never surprised to see his name on the injury report i haven't heard it's anything serious so there is that um but now nah, i'm not too certain what the deal is with jmo okay all right well let's finish up quickly with uh the fact that we can finally find out how much toronto fc players are played in this weird uh mls landscape that we live in we find out maybe twice a year at best um but we did so this past week. Toronto FC remain the second highest spending team in Major League. Oh Soccer no, they're the highest. Only. They're they're the highest because the, this list was put out before. So tell oh, he was Lawrence. getting there. He was oh, okay, getting sorry. there. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I was, yeah. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Look wow. at that face. He's so mad at me. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Inter Miami are, are up there as well, um, which again kind of kind of always makes it funny when Toronto FC fans, you know talk about uh the cheap ownership that sort of thing that's that's a tired storyline you can there's a couple that that stick that one is uh definitely tired but alejandro prozuelo fourth highest paid player in mls behind vela chicharito and and gonzalo higuain um he's 4.6 million per year any other numbers that, that stand out to you guys uh i think certainly richie's richie's salary is uh probably one oh, of them. yeah i tweeted that um jeff go ahead well before we go tfc uh, so Gonzalo Higuain is making like eight million dollars, and his brother's making the the senior minimum, which is very interesting. I suppose that was a consequence of them wanting so desperately to play together. Or it's Inter Miami, and he's got sixteen condos plus the the senior minimum. Um, back to you, Mike. Let's talk TFC number. You're saying Federico there? Yeah. Yeah, I, he was a player coach with DC right before that, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I feel like he was already in the latter stages of his career. Obviously, this mm-hmm. season, he showed us that he still has it, and he's definitely worth a little bit more than that, but I wasn't surprised to see him come in at that number. Um, now, to TFC, obviously, we talk about that. I mean, Richie Larea, that, that's highway robbery for Richie Larea, like 200 and something thousand dollars. And it's his second contract, too. With the, I think he resigned last season with the club. Mm-hmm. And when you look at some of the, the numbers that some other guys are making there and you think about where Richie Larea ranks in terms of significance to this squad and impact that he can make on this squad, again, highway robbery. He's not even in the top 10 of TFC salaries. And I, I, think that's... I think context is key here. His his first deal when he came to us like with nothing. Oh, he walked he, on. 
senior yeah. minimum. So, and that was For about sure. 55K back then. So what's he making now? 300K? Like That's 250, a, 225. Okay, well, it, yeah, and bonuses are included in this too. So, I mean, it is it is a steal, absolutely. But when you look at it based on the last contract, it's a rather monumentous increase. Um, they're not going to be able to, they, I guess. Yeah, relatively, relatively. I mean, it was the same thing with Frazier. Uh, somebody was saying, uh, you know, looking at the difference between, say, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna pull it out of ether, but Precio's deal to uh, versus Liam's deal. The context, of course, is Liam's deal is is from a, you know, the league is changing so quickly, and the and the the pay is going up. Pretty. But this is pretty a contract that Larea signed last season. Mm-hmm. Like literally, Larea was always already making that impact last season. Was I it, mean, he finished what, fifth in Defender it, of the Year voting, sixth in Defender yeah. of the Year voting. Like this I'm is a guy who we with know, you, but, but I will changer. say maybe last year he took a you know we're this is a pandemic and we don't know where it's gonna when it's gonna end discount on whatever raise he was gonna get as a good hometown boy. Maybe perhaps I, just, I understand. Uh, yeah. I, I understand the logic kind of there behind it. I just want to point out that absolutely yeah, no, it's ridiculous. Half that yeah, yeah, yeah. There. Um, another couple of of guys that stood out to me. Um, I think Chris Mavinga, he, he's making what eight hundred thousand. Something yeah. like that, man. Yeah, almost, you look at yeah. Omar Gonzalez is making about one point one million. Yep. Like, yeah, I think Chris deserves a little bit of a raise there. And again, he's one of those players who actually just signed a new contract as well. So that's probably the number you're getting him. And to me, that's that's uh, quite a bargain. Aro still at three hundred eighty-eight thousand. Um, I believe his contract is coming up soon, so that's going to be kind of a tricky one to sort of fit under that salary budget. So something to look out for there. Um, and just moving down the table here, Eric Zavaleta, he deserves some love here. He deserves yeah, a ton of discount. love here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, big time, man. He's making Game the, the, the league senior minimum. Yeah, Justin Moore as well. But Eric Zavaleta is making the senior minimum uh, for Toronto FC. And how often do you see someone of his experience get paid that that much? You know, he's a he's a guy who is an MLS Cup winner, generation Adidas draft pick. He has over well over a hundred appearances for this club. That's a, that's a, yep. that's a good, good investment there, especially when you, you talk to some of the younger guys and you, you ask them like, who are, who are some of your role models there at the club? Surprisingly, Zabs is one of the most common names that kind of pops up there because he kind of gets along with everybody. There's a lot behind the scenes that we don't see. I think uh, sure. Chris, Chris Armis and even on the broadcast, they mentioned this last game is that there were two people that really stood out to, to them because they were in the stands and that was Pozuelo yelling, and also Eric Zavaleta. So there's a lot that Zavaleta brings to this team besides just his play on the field. And even even in that, for a senior minimum, that that's some good stability at the back there, in my opinion. So Absolutely. I think Zavs, Zavs is a bargain there. Absolutely, it's nice to see Oso make that uh, making bank like that. That that warms my heart. So love yeah, that. I think other, he's other also Kaba, another player. The most uh, ahead, most Mitch. expensive Canadian player in in. Major League Soccer. Yeah, That's underneath Cava, right? Yeah. And I yeah, still think yeah. he's he's a bit underpaid there. I still think Ozo can potentially even make more money because he's that important to the state. I think he's that good too. I think Absolutely. he's one of those players that doesn't get really the love that he sort of deserves. Um, but it's good to see him make at least, you know, what the fifth, sixth highest most uh amount on this Toronto City roster. Six. Yeah, uh Josie's Josie's was a surprise. Um, he must have been his contract must have been front loaded because we were a couple million dollars higher on all our guesses for what his yearly salary is. Uh-huh. Um, you know, Bono, 
that that's a that's a bez deal uh you know it's it's like when zaz was making uh you know 400k or something like that is uh, it though because bono yeah, re-upped not too long ago for that money it was with, a new contract i'm not I, I, I on board i Mitch, could be wrong wanna, but no, I'm not you, sure. I, I can't say. I can't he, say for sure. Yeah. But that, yeah, that yeah. I just. Unique. I just want to like preface that with it could be a, an Alex yeah. Curtis deal. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I see. I see that head. money, and and that to me reeks of 2018. Bez just giving money to everybody, but Stephen Bateshore kind of. Here's an interesting but, one. Mm-hmm. What do you guys make of Iowa Canola's deal? He's getting paid right now, guaranteed compensation, 125,000. What do you make of that? Are there any uh, are there any caveats to that? Like, is he a generation Adidas or homegrown? No. Or home, he's a homegrown, but the, it still counts uh-huh. against your salary. Generation right Adidas is only through the draft. Yeah, yeah that's what I thought. I, again, it might be. <laughs> Who knows with MLS? <laughs> but but uh, what does he make? Like a hundred thousand and change. Hundred twenty five thousand. Yeah. I mean, that's some good value there. That's some good value. Absolutely. I Absolutely. think another another factor to consider, I think his contract is actually up at the end of the season. Um, yeah, so I think, I think I agree. He I could be one of those players that TFC used that young money spot on moving forward. We only get one, right? They only get one right. Well, okay. one right now. And then you have to think about, you know, two steps ahead is in at the end of 2022, Josie Altador's contract is up. So then potentially mm-hmm. from that point on, if TFC's youngsters are coming along like they, they appear like they will, then from that perspective, perhaps TFC go for a younger designated player then and then get three spots at that point, invest, reinvest back into their youth. Yeah, give now them we what know, they deserve. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the like other that. factor yeah. to consider into that is that we know a lot of these TFC youngsters do want to make the move over to a higher level, specifically Europe. So, you know, it, it's something to keep an eye on, at least moving forward. But Iowa can know that at 125 is, 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 a, is a bargain, is a bargain right now, yeah. especially with what he did last year. Yeah, Michael Bradley at a mil five is still a bargain. Yeah, mm-hmm. good shout, great shout, great shout. He doesn't get enough love for that either. You know, taking that $5 million pay cut to become a TM player. So TFC can go and get another designated player. I'll, I'll tell you, and it pains me to say it, who isn't a good value, and it's, it's number 10 on the list. Unfortunately, I mean the the elusive Tam Winger has cost us a ton of money over the years, but uh, three hundred and thirty grand for Erickson Gallardo is, uh, you know, it, it, it so, gives me no pleasure to say it, but it's a misuse of funds. Yeah, uh, yeah, good, a fair, fair shout, absolutely. But overall, this TFC team, if you look down top to bottom, and you got to give the front office credit for this, is that there's maybe three contracts on here that you can consider a bad contract. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, at least, and that's the one is Omar Gonzalez. Uh, I don't think over, that's a terrible a contract. I don't think it's not I really the worst. Don't. It's not the yeah. worst. It's just not the best value. So I think he can kind of slide under that that umbrella there that I'm trying to say. Um, mm. I agree with you though. Like it's not the worst contract whatsoever because he yeah, I mean, so much it's, experience. It's a deal with brings. Liga MX, right? Like in, exactly. And, you know, Bradley's played with him. Josie's played with him. You know, no, like, exactly. Yeah, like. I, but I don't, I don't looking, hate it. Looking at it, looking at it objectively now, what Omar Gonzalez brings to this team, what he's done so far this season, mm-hmm. if he's your fifth highest paid player on your roster, uh, I, I don't know. That that's that's not the best value for me. I wonder what Nashville's playing Zimmerman. I wonder just 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 as a. I mean, we don't know, but is it he would a be DP? Interesting to look. At. 
He might be. I don't be. think so. Okay. Well, if they have, not, they have a bunch yeah, of yeah. MVPs. No. Yeah. yeah, so that that's a steal then, if whatever Zimmerman is, because um, we know how important he is to Nashville. But the other two contracts that I think can be considered a poor contract at this point, at least, Alex Bono as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. And then I had one more down there. Josie? Yeah, yeah like, it's got to be Josie still. Like, it's got to be Josie. Like, just from an availability standpoint. Uh-huh. And, it, like, it's not even price-wise for Josie. It's just the fact that he takes up designated player spot that, that too yeah right yeah. If, if Josie yeah. Alter is making 1.5 million dollars like Michael Bradley is mm-hmm. I don't think we're having this discussion it's just the fact he's making what a million two million more than that and he takes up that designated player spot but yeah. I agree like he, he can't he can't that's that's not a good contract technically because he does take up that spot um I swear there's might have been one more that caught my eye. Oh, Eric Segarda. We already talked about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So those, those are the three that kind of like stood out to me as, as kind of poor I, contracts. I think Marty Delgado's. Yeah. I think he's worth 600 grand. I, I think that's a steal, man. Yeah. Because he's, he's in the prime of his career. He's just turned 25 26. forever. Yeah, forever. 25 25. forever. Yeah. yeah. He just turned 26 years old. He's been at Toronto FC for the past, what, four seasons, five seasons. He has 200-plus games of MLS experience under his belt at the age of 26. He's a proven winner, and he can you know, play in a bunch of different positions for Toronto FC. So at, at 500, 600K, that, that's, that's a bargain for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's nice to see in, in a general sense these guys getting paid more too. Like across the league, salaries are definitely going up. They're still not comparable to the you know big four salaries in uh, in um, North American sports other than the designated players. But you know, a couple of years ago, there was guys making like fifteen k and like living together. On a, I remember the the Beckham <laughs> experiment. One of the yeah. most shocking pages in that book is just the salary breakdown of how much more Beckham was making than like the backup yeah. goaltenders on that team, like Alan Gordon and stuff, who are, you know, so many players are making under 100K. So that's a positive. Another sign the league is moving in the right direction is the fact that, Absolutely. you know, the 300K player is like pretty regular now. That, that's, that's not a, uh, that's not yeah, a it's surprise not a shock anymore. to the system. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Seeing, seeing that, that extra. Uh, the, you know, the the five-figure salaries, sorry, or the six-figure salaries is really nice. Yeah, uh-huh. and, and by 2027, that league minimum is supposed to be 125000 so Should have been a it, soccer player. It's <laughs> only going up, man, and that's so <laughs> so relieving to see because, like, when I was growing up and I was playing, there was no real outlet. Like, even MLS, like, you kind of, like, turn your nose up at that because you, we didn't really know what the players were making at that time. But you knew they it wasn't that much. much. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> much, no, you think no. about like the CFL and like they managed like having two jobs there essentially, and you know even the Toronto Rock and the the NLL. Like I feel like MLS was kind of up alongside those those leagues, and they were on the same mm-hmm. caliber. And now now I think it's kind of above that. And mm-hmm. soccer players in Canada and North America have a real outlet now to sort of make it professionally within our own backyard. So that that's so great to see. Well, and obviously it just makes the players that much better, right? Because you can focus on this full time and don't have to worry at all about anything related to that. So, yeah, no, great to see. You. And uh, I think uh, I think we'll wrap things up there. Always uh, mm-hmm. always great to tap into the wisdom that is James Grossi. Um, 
Amazing. Never disappoints. His Wi-Fi Never. disappoints, but that's not his fault. I wasn't uh, even disappointed. It was it was fun to play Mad Lib. So yeah, yeah, that's go. true. Yeah, yeah, yeah we uh, we made the most of that <laughs> thanks to to Kevin and Sophia and Edwin for uh, all their work producing and and writing behind uh, behind the scenes and doing everything to make this show possible. Uh, make sure to check out the the guys and hey, maybe uh, maybe I'll make a little guest appearance this week over on the uh, post game. Uh, Twitter spaces after every game as well. Game. You guys hear him? Well. He's promising. Yeah. You guys hear this yeah. right now? Mitch is promising yeah. to make his, oh, his yeah. debut. Right. Saturday, I'll be there. Saturday, I'll be there. Let's go. Fantastic. Saturday, right? Uh, all right. I hope so now <laughs> because otherwise you're doing a spaces by yourself. And yeah, 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 just talking yeah. about the game. <laughs> the game that no one saw. Um, yeah, those are ever after and before every Toronto FC game. So keep an eye on all of our socials uh, to check out those and. Until next Tuesday. Cheers. Cheers, guys.